Welcome to the Yellow Brick Therapy Podcast, episode number four. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Andy Jameson all about school counseling and working with teens. I also wanted to add in a shameless plug about Soma Recovery, which is opening up this January in Wichita. We will be treating eating disorders and also collaborating with therapists to work on the mind-body parts of trauma therapy. So we will have body workers like massage therapists and yoga instructors that will help people resolve some of the trauma stored in their body that we work so hard to work on as clinicians, but don't always have all of the tools or mindsets to work on as clinicians. I am really excited about this project and to share it with you guys come this January. So as we update our marketing materials and we have more information, I will be giving that to you. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at jennyahelms at gmail.com. Or you can also check out my Facebook, The Shameless Shrink. Now let's get to the show. Go ahead and head into our first four. We are here with Andy and he is a school counselor. Yep. Um, and I'm really excited to just talk with him more about counseling in the school, mm-hmm. different various topics as we'll probably rabbit trail into other stuff, which yeah. I'm totally okay with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm just going to go into the first one. What did you originally want to be when you grew up? Like think back in grade school, yeah, elementary school. I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. A Ninja Turtle? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I remember specifically in the second grade in Miss Adrian's class, um, me and my friends were talking. I was a big Ninja Turtle fan. And she gave us a project. She's like, okay, you guys have to draw what you want to be. And I'm like, sweet, I'm going to be a Ninja Turtle. You know, I didn't know how. I just needed to get a hold of some, you know, ooze somewhere. You right. know, the green stuff that mutated me. And uh, and I'll be rocking and rolling on the bad guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I remember, uh, you know, I, yeah, it was me and two of my friends. And we're talking about it. And we're kind of like, I don't know if we can do that. You know, so I went up to her and I was like, hey, uh, Miss Adrian, I want to be a Ninja Turtle. And she's like, well, uh, there's some difficulty in that. And I'm like, okay, well, my second choice is a ninja. What about that? <laughs> and she's like, well, you could work for the government. And I'm like, that sounds pretty good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think actually I remember I, I drew a picture of like us standing on top of like the White House, you know, mm-hmm. um, like in our ninja costumes, you know? So, right. and so yeah, that was one of my first memories of knowing like what I wanted to do. And I think, you know, like, like a lot of, uh, boys and probably young men do is they, uh, they watch movies and they watch TV shows and they idolize, um, that hyper-masculinity, hyper-masculinity, you know, type A type of, uh, toughness and, you know, not understanding, you know, pain and war and, and all those things that even despite my military service, I still don't understand because I've never been to combat Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember one of my staff sergeants, uh, saying to me one time, he had said, you know, he's like the things that I've seen, uh, in combat, he's like, I wouldn't wish, wish it upon my worst enemy, you know, which, which really kind of tells you, you know, where people are at, I think with that and just understanding our place and, and war and killing and all those terrible things. So to back it up again, that's one of those rabbit holes, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's easy totally to get off fine. on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I remember, you know, idolizing that. So, you know, that was kind of the first thing, you know, is like being a ninja, you know, and then, then I remember 14, 15 years old, um, you know, watching, um, you know, some movies and thinking I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, I remember one of the movies specifically was Executive Decision with Steven Seagal and, mm-hmm. um, and The Rock with uh, Sean Connery. And uh, I can't think of the other guy's name right now. But, um, but yeah, those are two of the movies that were like, yeah, I want to do that type of thing. But it's like, um, that's one of the reasons why I think I really admire Oliver Stone. Um, is I, I think he really gives people like a, a really good glimpse. A glimpse is exactly probably what it is, you know, of, of what war is actually like, um, with some of his, some of his works, but yeah. So, and then, you know, I came up and, um, and I played competitive paintball just because it was really the only thing I was good at. Um, I actually first started with a church group and went out and did that. And I got into the competitive side of it cause I was never into sports, never into, uh, football or wrestling. I was very average or below average at those things. And, uh, and, and paintball excited me. It gave me, it gave me an adrenaline rush. And then I got into the competitive side of it, kind of out of the woods mm-hmm. into the, like the inflatables and, and things like that. There's a league called X ball or the NXL national X ball league that I play in. And, um, so it really kind of gave me, kind of gave me a home, kind of made me feel like I was good at something, uh, because in a lot of ways I wasn't good at school. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, I got bullied quite a bit from like the ages, like seventh grade, uh, up until about my sophomore or junior year of high school. And so like, um, that, that one thing, you know, gave me something to look forward to, you know, every week. And, um, and so to, can, I'm, I'm answering your question, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, just I, kind of a long kind of, answer. Yeah, taking yeah, us through kind of, yeah, the kind of yeah. how you arrived right. where you're at. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, that was the one thing that I felt like I gravitated towards. And then, you know, I got out of high school, really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, throughout high school, um, I think like probably a lot of people do, uh, I, th- I think they, they probably think that their grades are uh, indicative uh, of their future, you know, what their future might look like. And my grades, the CDF student that I was, you know, told me that I wasn't going to be good at school. Now, I remember when I was a senior, I took one psychology course and I really liked it, but I never thought about being a therapist. I never thought about going into school counseling. I never thought about any of the things that I've, you know, thought about and are doing right now. And, and then, so at 24, I got laid off from Hawker Beechcraft and I was working in the aircraft, um, field. And, um, and the economy took a slump and that was like 2007, 2008 timeframe. And so I was like, okay, well, um, I hung out on unemployment for six months and, uh, and that was cool. Um, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was like really peaceful. Just, it gave me time all day, you know, to just kind of like recoup and like start asking myself like what I wanted to do. And I also understood why rich people hang out with rich people. And it's because it's like they have money to do stuff. I'd call my friends up on a Tuesday night with nothing to do the next day. I'd be like, hey, let's go out and drink or whatever. And they'd be like, no, I can't. i got to work tomorrow. So it's like I, it's funny. I kind of understand that perspective a little bit now just because it's like you have time and money to do things, right? right. So, but, so anyway, so I joined the Army um, at 24 uh, as a kind of a really a last-ditch effort to do something without education. Because again, that education in my prior years of high school said, hey, you're a CDF student, you're probably not going to accomplish much, you know, from an educational front. And when you said CDF, so it was mm -hmm. funny, at first I thought you were talking about like a specific type of student, but now I'm understanding your meanings. You made C's, D's, and F's. Yes, yes, grades. Yes, 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 yes. I want to break that down because it just clicked in my brain that you meant. Yeah, (laughs) grades. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a very good student. So I go in places like Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. 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 So I think, no, I think that's really helpful because I, I mean, obviously school measures one type of intelligence. Right. Right. And yeah. I don't think that it's, it's, I mean, obviously the system can't be perfect, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's helpful to hear about a perspective where it's like, yeah, I wasn't yeah. your A student, no. or A, B student even. No, I was really bought into that idea of like, hey, if, if you're not making good grades in high school, you're probably not going to do well in college. And I had an older sister who was four years older than I was, and she did very well in high school and got a full scholarship to K-State and a dual major, and she actually ended up getting three degrees and, like, very successful, you know. Um, And I was kind of the black sheep, um, I'd say, um, that got into a lot of trouble, too. And I think it's just because I think a lot of that came because of bullying, but that's a different story. So... Uh, to hop back on the, on, you know, how I came to be is the army was kind of my last ditch effort to do something without a college degree. And I was about an hour into the army and I was like, I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and long story short, I got to Korea. I met a friend and a really good friend. He already had his college degree. And then he said, you know what, Andy, he's like, just finish just finish, you know, what you started. Cause I had like 30 hours at, at a community college at Butler. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just, just finish your degree. So I did that, you know, and I reflected on what I liked. And the one class the one class I liked in high school was my senior psychology class. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then of course you start doing some more research and you're like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to really do anything with just a bachelor's in psychology. So then I started reflecting on my past and asking myself, what did I really enjoy the most? You know, where did I feel the most valued? What do I what do I like doing? Um, what gave me a sense of purpose? And uh, and when I reflected back on my past, um, after playing competitive paintball, I started playing like on Division One level, pretty high level, and um, and I was able to coach kids. But the the coaching was fun to see them do well in the competitive sport was fun. But then the moments after the coaching, when they're waiting on rides to go back home or, you know, after hours, you know, after practice and sitting with them and talking with them about what's going on in their lives and the real stuff, you know, past the surface stuff um, and, and feeling like I helped in some ways in that, even if it was just in a form of encouragement, uh, gave me a feeling that was undeniable. And was like nothing I've ever had before. Um, and it wasn't a, a great impact flood of emotions. You know, it was, it was more subtle. Um, and I would describe it as a flowering, you know, a blooming, you know, during those times and, and calm and peace and purpose. And almost as if everything else during those times is erased. Time is erased, you know, and, and you, are, you are left with that one person in front of you. And, and uh, really cool things are happening. You know, so, and so reflecting on those feelings, reflecting on those ideas, um, you know, then, then you, then you start to kind of connect that idea and that feeling with, with what I can do tangibly in the world that can, uh, provide me with a living. And, um, and you know, my dad, I remember having a conversation in the, in a, in a, (laughs) in a car parking lot, I was getting my wife's car worked on and I was sitting in the parking lot after I got the car back and I was just having a conversation with him, me and my dad, like we connect a lot and we talk a lot and he's like, well, Andy, have you ever thought about being a teacher? You know? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know what I teach. Like maybe like, like physical fitness, you know, something like that, a, P- a PE teacher and physical education. I was like, yeah, that's the only thing I might want to do. And he's like, well, I have a friend who's a school psych- psychologist and 
I, uh, he's like, you might go out and visit with him. And I went and sat with that school psychologist and like, he was, he was super stoked to do like a lot of the testing, you know? And I, I knew immediately, you know, the first 45 minutes to an hour talking to him, it's like, eh, this isn't me. It's like, I just really want to connect on that emotional level, you know, on that mental level. And, and, you know, and, and learn more about myself and other people, you know, to not only be better for myself, but to be better for other people too. that symbiotic relationship. I learned that word from a national geographic video uh, about sharks. So and now in like the seventh grade, I saw, I still hold on to that word. Um, but anyways, between the fish and a shark that one, one fish cleans the shark and the other, and the shark protects the fish. Anyway, that's a little side story. Um, you wanted to be the shark or the fish? Uh, probably, probably depended on the day, you know, cause, cause like, you know, it's like some days like that shark is out hunting, man, you know, he's out swimming through those dark waters, you know, he's, he's king of the king of the wild out there. In their days, you know, the fish is just riding on them, eat, eating the bacteria, just being a part of it, you know. So I think it probably depended on the day. Some days I probably just wanted to be the fish along for the ride, getting fed, you know, um, you know, and getting protected at the same time. And uh, but, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, you didn't want to be a school psychologist. Yeah, I didn't want to be. Yeah. To yeah. I want to connect on the emotional level, you know, and. and and, and, and so the funny, the, the, I think one of the greatest ironies in my life is how much I hated school. Yeah. And, and, and then I, I came back to school and I, I live by, by one of these ideas is I remember also, you know, it's like coming up and watching those movies, you know, and like watching like star Wars and things like that. It's like, you're coming up and it's like, you think there's going to be all these great wise people that are going to help to lead your way. You know, and um, and that saying that I mentioned earlier about coming back to and living by is, you know, sometimes we're the thing we we become the thing that we wish we wanted in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And I think I wanted, you know, that that that, you know, that wiser person in my life to kind of help me guide me. And it's like also as I grow, it's like I realize on a much deeper level, it's like I can't be that person for everyone and at the end of the day, you know, especially in my profession and our profession, you know, it's, it's, it's about providing those, um, those ideas in relation within the framework of that other person's life, you know, not within our framework. And, and of course, you know, we're going to be able to provide, you know, nuggets of wisdom here and there, you know, but, but at the end of the day, of course, it's always about them. It's always about the person sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Sorry. That was the long answer. Long answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That works yeah. though. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, and so what's been one of your most learning or worst moments mm -hmm. <laughs> in school counseling? Mm. Um, like <clears throat> worst moments, learning moments, um, Something you did wrong. Oh, something I did wrong. Right. Um, Not looking back on your life. Yeah. Maybe that was a because I I could see we all are gonna do things wrong. Sure. That's just inevitable. Yeah. But do you have a moment that you did something particularly wrong and you learned from it? Yeah. Um, well, I'll answer that like with the first one, just kind of like a, one of those things where you like you know get smacked on the forehead and you're like, Hoop. so I remember like my third day of work. Uh, <laughs> these girls come rushing in and they're like, they're like, Mr. Jamison, there's a girl having a panic attack in the girl's locker room. 
And it's like, I want to strap on my cape. And I got about three steps out away from my desk. I'm like, hold on, girls locker room, male. That's not a good place for me to be. Right. You know, so like I went next door to my female um, co-counselor and I was like, hey, could you go ahead and take this one? You know, so I, I think and so I think that's one of the first things that it's like, you know, you're you're, you're working with. You know, so in our particular school, there's like 600 students, you know, and there's so that's 600 variables, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have teachers and you have parents and you have everyone else. So I think in times it's easy to get caught up in the idea. It's like I'm going to go out and do this and do the right thing. And like you're not even thinking like on that 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 malicious or bad, you know, level, you know, or, or even like how it might look, you know, because it's like you're so caught up in trying wanting to help. You know, and then you're like, wait, hold on. Like, how could other people perceive this? You know, so it's like it's those first three steps that it took for for me to be like, wait a second, like slow this down. You know, so I think that was one of the first biggest learning lessons is it's like I not only have to, you know. Yeah, while my motivations may have been good, it's like, how is it going to be perceived, you know, by 600 other people and parents, you know, and everyone else, you know, if, if I were to just rush in and save the day, you know, so it's like, I gotta, I gotta think about those perceptions and also about how those perceptions, just like in high school, a lot of rumors, uh, get blown way out of proportion, you know? So, um, so yeah, just, I think the first thing that I learned probably, like I said, the first three days is just stepping back, slowing down, you know, and being like, think about those other perceptions. Um, um, I think probably another time, let's see that, that I feel like I messed up. Um, gosh, um, I think I probably have messed up more with probably my administration, um, than I had been in those relations, uh, than probably students or, or, um, or parents. Um, now I know, I remember, you know, I just dropped some, dropped the ball on like some organizational stuff, but it's like, I feel like I am at times probably too straightforward. Um, like I remember one time in a meeting, you know, I'd said, I'd said, I'm going to edit this, you know, I'd said, Hey, you know, if, if, if I'm out here effing up, you know, you guys just let me know, like, that's, that's no issue with me Just shoot me straight. You know, and it's like, they're all kind of a little bit shocked, you know, from my language. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, and you know, it's, and it's like, it's like, that's just a part of who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, you know, of course I can monitor that, but it's, it's like one of the things I always used to tell us is perception is reality, you know, in the army. That's one of the things I always used to tell us. So it it, it doesn't always matter. And they would specifically say that in the army when they're talking about like sexual harassment, you know, they're very, very direct on that. Like they wouldn't tolerate sexual harassment in the army at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so like in those conversations, you know, w- with, you know, a lot of the male dominated uh, industry as the military is, is it's like, hey, it doesn't matter if, if you were joking about this or if you, you know, weren't taking it seriously. If another female or if another male, you know, perceives perceives that as sexual harassment, like you're done, you know. So like they're like, you have to be very cognizant and very aware of that. And, but swearing was not something in the military that was looked down upon. I mean, the F word was, you know, a noun, an adjective, you know, a pronoun. (laughs) It was everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's just like, so that's one of the things that I feel like coming into that, that it was just a different culture. And I think maybe, I think maybe 
when it comes to working and talking with adults and coworkers, um, I'm not as aware, um, that I should be at times, uh, you know, of, of how I might come off now, you know, uh, students, parents, that's a different relationship, but coworkers, I feel like, Hey, I'm just going to be me and, you know, take it or leave it type of thing. And I could probably, I could definitely be better at that. Um, yeah. when I think it, I mean, it speaks to the differences in like the different positions, right? Because I yeah. think, you know, in my situation, I probably get away with a lot more of that, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ultimate grand scheme of things that I can be more real, but yeah. when you're working with a system like that or yeah. an organization like that, you know, you have to be cognizant mm-hmm. of certain things because of the way the system is, right. unfortunately. So, yeah. um, and I think, you know, I think sometimes it can be a really good thing because we all need to be called on our stuff from sure. time to time. But, um, but yeah, I think to be, to have to be so cautious about language, yeah. and, you know, I think that's, that's definitely, there's differences in, in what you're doing in our field, mm-hmm. whether or not. Mm-hmm. you know, that's true or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think you make a, a tremendous point, you know, and one that, you know, I haven't considered is it's like, obviously in your building, you know, and in, in your facility and your line of work, you know, it's, it's like the whole, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here at any point, but it's like my, my perspective is it's like the foundation is based off truth, yes. you know, and sometimes it's the brutal truth, yes. you know? And, and so it's like that brutal truth and that truth is respected and it is wanted you know, and it's desired, you know, it's like, Hey, I want to know what's going on. Right. And so even if that means like using some language that may like be considered foul to others, it's like, that's truthful. And it's like, that's what we want. And if that's how you have, how you have to feel like you have to express yourself then that's fine. So, so yeah, it's like, I, I feel like that was one of the, one of the big things. Um, I feel like one of the biggest things in my role, um, is, um, it's like what they tell us, you know, in school all the time. It's like, we're not there as a school counselor. It's like, we're not there to be on the teacher's side. We're not there to be on the administration side. We are not there to be on the parent side. We are there to be an advocate, you know, for the students, you know? And, and so, but it's like, I feel like sometimes I feel like the biggest problem with that is, I mean, truth is, is ultimately at the top of my pyramid, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to hear the student side and I'm going to go and talk to a teacher or an admin, you know, about a conflict that they may have had. And it's like, I, it's like, I'm working and it's like, let's have a conversation about that. You know, let's have a conversation about what happened just because you're an adult. That doesn't mean to me that you're telling the truth. Um, and that's, it's like, I've seen enough, um, different people in my life and I've worked for enough people in my life to know that adults are not truthful. I mean, we can watch TV, you know, and, and see it in our politics. We can see it, we can see it everywhere. Right. And so it's like, let's quit kidding ourselves. Let's, right. let's quit thinking of these students as, you know, as quote unquote kids, you know, and like, and it's like, let's, let's have them be heard because ultimately it's like, I, that's what they want, you know? And so it's like, I'm going to hear their side of the story and I'm going to, confront that, you know, be it with my administration or be it with a teacher. And that doesn't mean that it has to be, um, anything that's negative or anything that's, um, uh, a a difficult thing to do. It's like, this is just a conversation. Well, and I wonder too, if it wouldn't be important for those teachers or adults to understand, you know, even if the kiddo is lying Mm -hmm. to understand 
the motivation for that right. or why they might have perceived that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To really understand that more so than mm-hmm. just to flat out say, okay, you lied. And right. then, you know, again, not use that opportunity for relationship building yes. or just understanding their context, yeah. right? Because yeah. if they're lying, that's acting out too, but right. it usually has a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think you bring up a good point about that is, is, you know, as it's like, you know, what do they say that like 80% of, uh, communication is nonverbal, oh, yeah. you know? So it, it's like, you know, even if, you know, then it's an opportunity to talk about, you know, and, and administrators, a teacher's, you know, tone, nonverbals, you know, that we're all sending and not only sending, but, but presenting as a way to tell our students that this is a way that is acceptable to communicate. And it's just because these, these people are younger. No, it's not. Right. No, it is not. And it's like, we have to be modeling that in the right way. Yeah. And And I've, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, anecdotally, I've had a lot of clients share their experiences with teachers Mm -hmm. and they don't say it's about every teacher. So I don't, you know, for the most part, there's good and bad people everywhere. Right. That's what it comes down to. Well, yes. In every profession, in every field. And it's interesting because, you know, especially certain clients, they tend to be more truth tellers Mm -hmm. and they tend to be more objective than maybe some others. And, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they've built that reputation over time, but even they will tell me these stories Mm -hmm. of, you know, asking a question in class and having a teacher say, that's a dumb question. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Or just like mocking them for different things or literally, you know, bullying the students themselves. Um, and this, and you know, this, these particular clients, they're not saying that about every teacher. They just say it about one or maybe Mm -hmm. even two. I I haven't even heard about two, but usually they have one that they're like, you know, it's just so hard to be in their class and mm-hmm. you know they may already struggle with social anxiety mm-hmm. or anxiety and yeah. then you know yeah just to be to be mocked mm-hmm. and to be you know almost kind of reinforced not to ask questions yes yes it just it blows my mind and I, I mean obviously like we said in every field there's going to be people who unfortunately are just not yeah not probably there for the right reasons. It right. It not be the right fit for them. Waiting for retirement. <laughs> Waiting well, I mean, for let's, retirement. let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Getting a paycheck, knowing that, oh, I can't pay off my student loans, uh, and I got into this for virtuous reasons, and now I'm so far in debt, and I'm just going to ride this out till retirement, and I'm going to let my attitude reflect those same thoughts. Right. Which is completely sucks. Oh, yeah. All around. I mean, because I, I feel for those people, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they have their own context, like hurt people hurt people. True. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's still sad that, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, we could probably go on and on about the educational system and the mm-hmm. fact that teachers aren't more incentivized mm-hmm. in different ways. Absolutely. Do, That's another part of it. Yeah. They, I mean, even the good ones, it's like they're amazing human beings. Yes. They're working their butts off. Yes. And we are not incentivizing them yes. to do so. Yeah. Yeah, there's you're you're right. There's there's a lot of things there. That's that's a that's a whole yeah, can of worms. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I you know, and, and and I think and I think unless, you know, we're we're open to criticism, you know, and I think that's the first part is you know, if if people are not open to criticism and not, you know, and and, and constructive criticism, you know, and it goes back to it's like this doesn't have to be a threat. This doesn't have to be um, a um, an attack on you. It's like this this can be a conversation, right. you know, about how right. we can be better, and and you know, be better in the business that we're in, you know, and that is teaching students. That's helping people, you know, within the education system, and so I think, you know, that that's that can be that can be a, a difficult thing to to approach, you know. Um, because I think sometimes it aligns with, you know, me being a younger person and having that idea of like, well, who are you to tell me, you know, what, 
what's happening in my classroom, you know, and, and you were never a teacher and I never was a teacher, you know? So I think there's, I think there's some merit to that as it's like, well, you don't, you don't know our job, but again, it's like, this isn't about an attack. This isn't about a threat. This isn't about, you know, me being above you. It's like, this is just about having a conversation about maybe how we can all be better, you know? And maybe, you know, part of that solution is me just sending an email, you know, out to teachers or like maybe even during a conference and saying, I am more than happy to privately talk about, uh, you know, one-on-one with you as a teacher about what I'm hearing from students, the criticisms of you, right. you know, and, and, and letting them come to me to see that would be a good way, I think. And uh, for me to see who wants to grow in their profession, who wants to see how they might get better. That would be an interesting practice. <laughs> One that's not currently employed. No, it would no. be interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, if there's conflicts, you know, with teachers, it's like typically, you know, students will come to me or come to someone else and they'll talk, and then I pass it up to my principal, and the principal goes and have a, goes and has a conversation with those with those teachers. But but maybe what I do is uh, maybe I maybe I go that route. Maybe I go that route. So that'd be an interesting uh, that'd be an interesting bit. Definitely, I love that. I well, love it. And I have another question that I want to mm-hmm. follow up on, mm-hmm. but um, before I want to finish the final four, because I think we kind of answered the second and third one there. Okay. So it's both good and bad moments okay. in um, your profession. But the fourth one is kind of a fun one, mm-hmm. and it's what's your spirit animal? Nah. Uh, my spirit animal. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, man, I've heard, you, I've heard you ask other people, like, like, um, I've heard you ask other people that on your podcast too. And like, I don't know, I really didn't, I really didn't think about it. Um, uh, well, there's no, I mean, there's no scoring of this. Yeah. Get a CD or F. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the first things, and I've, and I've actually been thinking about getting this tattoo for a while. And I don't know if it's indicative of like my spirit animal or, or things like that, but I've actually thought about like getting a snake. A snake? Yeah. Oh. Like, 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 um, like wrapped around my forearm and I had originally planned like to have it go up my back, but I thought about it maybe just ending at like my elbow or just above my elbow and, um, and having it come down and like, uh, like on my hand hmm. and then like doing it in two different ways, like doing like a black, uh, like a black, like with its mouth closed and then doing like another one branching off from the same neck, but just with like a red outline of it opening its mouth like around like my my index finger and my thumb. And one of the reasons, number one, I just think it'd be cool. Um, <laughs> number one, very yeah, nice. yeah. Well, I That'd be cool. yeah. Well, I have I have other tattoos, you know, that are meaningful. And then, you know, and I always thought, well, if I, if you get a tattoo, like it has to be meaningful. You know, it's like, no, not necessarily. It's like, it can just be something you like, you know, just artwork. But then I, but then I got to thinking about, it's like, it's like, why a snake? You know, because it's like, especially like in like Western culture, I think that the snake is typically viewed, you know, in, in, um, uh, in coherence, I guess if coherence is the right word with, uh, with, with, with Christianity, you know, as something as like being bad and evil, you know, the snake oh, and of Adam and Eve, yeah. you know, so yeah. like that may, that may be looked as like, as like negative. It's like, but the same type type and culture and military culture, it's like, it's that, you know, don't tread on me type of thing, hmm. you know? Um, and so I think the reason, you know, for, for, uh, for the snake with its mouth closed is like one of, of, uh, calm patience, um, taking its time, you know, and then, and then with the mouth open is, is that aggressiveness, 
uh, and the, the perfect time to strike, you know, in one sense and taking advantage of opportunity. And that's kind of like the symbolism behind that, you know, and I also think about Carl Jung, you know, and he talked about the, the, the shadow, you know, part of ourselves and like understanding that shadow part of ourselves, that dark part of ourselves, you know, um, with, with the same understanding of like that light and being aware of both of those sides, you know, and, and I think with, with knowing both of those sides, we're better able to, to manage. And so I think that's kind of that representation is, is, you know, and it's also like a snake is also a symbol of wisdom, um, in some cultures. And, um, and so I think about like that, that wise, that calm, that patience, but then also acknowledging that, that shadow side of myself, that aggressiveness, um, and, and understanding not only aggressiveness, but then that, that opportunity to take advantage of, um, you know, certain options when they arise, you know, you know, be it, who knows, you know, uh, employability, you know, in a different place, um, um, you know, advantages, like if I wanted to, you know, play for a particular paintball team, as I mentioned earlier, you know, being able to strike when the iron is hot, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my, so I guess maybe spirit animal might snake, but I, I really love dogs. I got three dogs at home, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're just affectionate and loving and, and kind. And, you know, they also have, they can have that aggressive nature, you know, protecting, um, you know, I think about virtue, um, so loyalty. yeah loyalty yeah yeah a lot of those things yeah what's your what's your spirit animal have you oh, answered have you, you asked? Know, it's funny because i asked this question but i don't like necessarily i just turned the tables answer. on you yeah no i don't have like a great answer um yeah. one of dr scott stegman who i interviewed on the first podcast yeah was that was a cool about, one yeah he he related it back to his myers-briggs uh-huh. personality so yeah. i kind of looked that up the other day because yeah. i was curious for myself uh-huh and I'm an ENFJ, and it's uh-huh. actually a dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's which cool. Which I think is, I mean, it's kind of funny because um, I also love dogs, uh-huh. but I also just kind of, you know, and seeing my dog and her breed specifically, yeah. she's just such a dork, uh-huh. just like I am, but uh-huh. she, she's intelligent, but she's uncoordinated, and um, she'll run I've into s- things, yeah. and I, like, I mean, even though she's athletic, too, so, like, yeah. it reminds me of me because I am very athletic, but I'm also a dork, you know, <laughs> I... I can't catch things very well. Huh. Like I don't have good hand-eye coordination. Huh. Um, and I think that that also applies to like, you know, my personality too. Like I have a lot of intelligences, but I have, um, ways in which I'm a dork yeah. that way too, where yeah. I struggle. And, um, but I'm a, a person who likes to be kind of happy, go lucky, um, optimistic usually. And, uh-huh. and just kind of, you know, yeah, loyal to friends, loyal yeah. to people in my life. And, yeah. um, it, up, like, kind of upbeat. Like, I'm kind of the person that I'm like, you know, I could be mad at you, but then... And, I, I mean, even my significant others, I mean, obviously there are times where this is not always the case, but usually I can be upset with you, but then, you know, five minutes later, like, we're friends again, kind mm-hmm. of like dogs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they can be kind of yeah. happy with you or get upset, but, yeah. you know, five minutes later they're ready to go again. Yeah, and yeah. They're just usually very positive and mm-hmm. forgiving. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's pros and cons to that. But sure. Um, yeah, it's very much. Yeah. That surprises me. I, I laugh because it surprises me about when you'd said about like coordination and things like that. It's like, man, I've seen you do like handstand pushups okay. and like muscle ups and stuff. It's like, <laughs> so it's like to, to call yourself a dork and to call yourself like unbalanced, uncoordinated. I'm like, no. You just haven't seen like no. the full spectrum, right? Because well, I, I think body coordination, I'm good at. Yeah. But, 
you know, use objects outside of my body, mm -hmm. and then you'll see me. Like That makes sense. Yeah. They that called me T-Rex the other day because um, we were playing spike ball, uh -huh. and I just oh, was yeah. like... <laughs> like I'm using like my arm almost yeah. like a T-Rex to get uh, the ball like thrown back yeah. or whatever. So, that's funny. Um, I'm not always graceful and yeah. coordinated and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but I think that's good. I mean, I think it's sure. fun to make fun of yourself yeah. at times oh, yeah. and to just embrace your mm -hmm. idiosyncrasies. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think it keeps us humble, keeps us human. Yes. You know, recognizing our humanity. Um, that's, that's, that's. One of the has to be one of the number ones, and the ability to laugh at ourselves. Yes. You know, and that's what I tell my students all the time. It's like, you know, it's like in those mistakes. You know, we we talked a little bit about the education system. You know, and like just kind of shunning that idea of being wrong. And I, and I, I've been thinking about this for a while. Is it's like you know, it's like our culture is founded on on winning. It's founded on winning. You know, and, and I'm sure I'm probably missing some things there too. But it's like. It's like, think about the Revolutionary War. It's like, we were the underdogs, you know, when Britain came over here. And it's like, and we won, you know, we won our independence, you know, and, and you know, and, and all of our sports and our politics and our military and and all these things, you know, it's it's all based around winning. Right. So it's like, if, if you're not winning, you're wrong, you know? And I think it's kind of reflected the same way in our, in our, in our schools sometimes, and not all the time. I think, again, I think a lot of our you know, probably by and large, probably 99.99% of our teachers, you know, uh, they, they want people to answer questions. They want people to ask questions. But, um, and if I had to take more of a guess, it's probably more of our student culture, you know, that that's, uh, probably makes fun of individuals, you know, when they're wrong, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and like I said, maybe that 0.01, you know, uh, percent, of hopefully not, you know, not teachers and not adults, you know, that puts people down or mock them or whatever for, for being wrong. But it's like, if we can't afford to laugh at ourselves, if we can't afford to be wrong and understand that it is okay to be wrong so that we can be right in the future, if we don't have that mind, if we don't have that idea first fixed in the front of our minds, then how do we expect to grow? How do we expect to be better? You know, if, if we can't understand that mistakes are you know, probably much more, much more of a natural course of life than being right is. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting idea that, that idea of being right and winning, you know, and, and, and how that might translate, you know, culturally to not raising our hands, being afraid to be wrong, you know, uh, versus, versus learning, you know, and asking questions. Um, so it's, I, I don't know, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a very broad connection, but I, I could see it as some possibilities. Right. So. Right. And you're, I think you're right in saying that I don't think that we learn the skill of learning to fail well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put that. Mm -hmm. No, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think you're a hundred percent right on that. At least I didn't. You yeah. Know? And I, I even, I'm thinking about a client I saw, um, this past week and she has some major performance anxiety mm -hmm. where she will stay up until about 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. just trying to make sure she gets it right. Yeah. And how much of her life, like in the bigger picture of her life, so many other things are compromised, mm -hmm. her well-being, her sleep, mm -hmm. her ability to um, 
you know, at times she's actually been graded off because she'll overdo work. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. Well, not so, surprising at the same no, time. No, it's not. And I'm like, that's going to exhaust you and tear you apart <sighs> For sure. as a human being. If, For if sure. We can't learn how to let things go. Mm-hmm. How to let things, and I guess that ties into perfectionism as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Like, you know, learning how to be okay with the messiness of life, the failure of life. Mm-hmm. And just doing what we can and being okay with the rest. Yep. Not loving it. Like, I mean, I'm never going to be like, yay, I failed. But But saying that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have grace with that. And that's honestly enabled me to succeed more than going into that shame cave of like, man, I just suck. Right. I'm just bad at things. Yeah. And I think, and, and this is a very simplistic way of breaking this down, but it's like, I think about like three different levels, right? Is it's like, is it's like, okay, I was wrong. And like man, that sucks. And that was totally bad. And that was wrong, you know, and like really getting down on yourself. And then like kind of that middle level is like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's okay to be wrong. And then like the next level that I think is probably unattainable is be like, kind of going back to what you said, like, yeah, I was wrong. And I was happy about that, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think it's that middle level of being, being, learning to be okay with that, you know, and and learning to be okay with being wrong and, and, and making mistakes. And I think that's probably the, the biggest illusion and one of the illusions of the illusions that we're trying to break through with our school is is demystifying. We have this current program. Uh, it's called Zello, and not only does Zello help to identify through 140 questions what a person might want to do later in life, and I've taken it six or seven times, and my top ten results are all something to do with therapy, you know, or, or you know, school counselor, or personal therapist, or you know, whatever it may be, and um, and so it's definitely on point. Um, but then also demystifying that idea, you know, amongst students, it, it's not only a program, you know, to help students find out what they want to do in life, but it's a whole kind of character development program and understanding like, Hey, adults don't have it together all the time, you know, and, and we are not the, the icons of perfection, you know, whether it be financially in our relationships, our understandings about ourselves, relationships with others. And so that's one of the, the angles, you know, that we're working on too is, is having that connection, you know, and I remember talking to prior students who, uh, who graduated and I, I remember asking them, you know, I, I see them at graduation parties or out in Wichita or whatever. And I say, what, what is something that you wish you would have had with your teachers? You know, and they say, I wish I would have had more of a personal connection, you know, and I think some of that personal connection comes with being honest and, uh, you know, we talk about, uh, disclosing, you know, in, in therapy and, uh, and, or school counseling or, you know, uh, psychology or whatever, you know, your facet is. And, and I'm more than happy. I love to share my failures with the students. You know, I love to tell students how I was a CDF student. I love to tell students how, you know, um, how I got into a lot of trouble, you know, even with the law, you know, when I was younger and the the road that that led me down and how that took away a lot of my own opportunities, you know, and, 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 and of course do it at appropriate times, you know, and, you know, it's, it's not about my story, it's about theirs, but to help them understand and relate to that and, and know that they can, they can still, you know, turn around and come back from those bad decisions, but it takes, it takes a lot. Yeah. It takes time. It takes grit. It takes, it takes, continuing to fail and doubt a lot of doubt. Um, and that's, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a picture, uh, of this iceberg, uh, behind me that I have hanging on my wall and I forget the company that I got it from, 
But at the tip of the iceberg, you know, it's floating above the water, it says success. And then the larger 90%, you know, the iceberg has that's underneath the water that you don't see is all those things is self-doubt and, you know, time and failure and all those things. You know, it has probably 15 or 20 words leading up to that point of success that you see. And so, you know, I, I, I hope to try and, you know, have that as a talking point and have them understand, you know, that that's, that's a large part of what life is. Yeah. So. Well, especially in this day and age where I think that's all the more um, enhanced by mm. social media. Yes, yes, the yes, fact yes, yes. That we see people's successes mm-hmm. and we don't see all this, the other stuff. We mm-hmm. don't see their dark passenger. Mm-hmm. We don't see yeah. the struggle. We don't see the failure. We just yes. see people on Instagram mm-hmm. talking about how much money they're yeah, making yeah, or like how yeah. successful they are. Yeah, on boats with a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's tough. And also, you know, part of that, I think, you know, demystifying process is, is understanding that like money won't make you happy. It's like, it can bring a level of security. Um, you know, provide some freedom. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. It can make you feel better at times, you know, just like you said, security, freedom, you know, some of those things, but you know, it, it won't make you happy. So, you know, the focus is not, you know, um, let's not go out and make as much money as we possibly can, but what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do within your job that you're going to be able to enjoy for eight, 10 or 12 hours a day? Because then if you're sleeping the other eight and you're eating, you know, the other, you know, two, you know, maybe, um, how much time do you really have for yourself? You know, and how much time are you going to use then to plug into Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, to show you the life that you don't have, you know? So what are you going to do with those eight to 12 hours a day? that you feel like you're, you're doing something that you like, you enjoy, that you're good at, you know, um, all of those things. So. Well, I think, I think the way that, you know, I, I look at it is that you can do something that you don't love if there's an end to a mean, mm, like, yeah, so like, absolutely. Because I think there's a lot of people also. So I think, okay, I, this generation, at least the research is showing they are more and more geared towards doing things they love, mm-hmm. but then they're kind of swinging to the other end of the pendulum and not being able to do some of the drudgery that, and right. you know, being able to go through some of the hoops to do what yeah. they love eventually. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And so, yeah. and that's where, you know, I try to, you know, I think it's so important that we do say, hey, don't just settle for a job that you really don't like because, mm-hmm. yeah, you are going to be... I think the way that it was um, framed to me that I liked actually was you're more married to your job than mm-hmm. you are to another human. Yeah, definitely. Because you are spending more time with it for and sure. with it yep. than you will with any other human being. And yep. so it's the most important relationship mm-hmm. in your life. And that has to be, it has to be something you enjoy doing. However, a lot of jobs where people, that people would really love to do, mm-hmm. they do take some hoop jumping. They yeah. do take some grit. They yeah. do take some like, hey, I'm going to do some of the drudgery of like the not fun work mm-hmm. to get there. And I think that's the only thing I see kind of missing in this upcoming generation is that idea that like, you know, you've got to weigh all that out. Like you yeah. could go into a job you love off the bat and just mm-hmm. decide, hey, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. make a certain amount and live off of that and I'm okay with that. And mm-hmm. I think that's great. But then also to realize there's other options as well as far as like you know maybe i'm going to do something i don't love but then right. you know after two years that puts me in a position to do something i do love yep um and so yeah just understanding that they have 
multiple options with mm-hmm. that. And sometimes that means doing things you don't love, but yes. you're still honoring yourself, right? Because right. I think they think they're betraying themselves mm-hmm. if they ever do stuff they don't love. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, I, if I didn't have to go through college, even though there's there are so many amazing things I got through college and grad school, mm-hmm. but if I could have just gone straight to grad sure. school, heck yeah, I would have done yeah, that. Definitely. But, you know, I knew I'd have to go through those four years, yeah. and... I tried to make the best of it, and I knew I'd have to take math classes, which mm-hmm. I'd never use again. Yeah. But you just try to make the best of that because in our society, that's part of the hoops that mm-hmm. you have to go through. Yep. Um, but it's worth it yeah. to get to the, to the other side yes. and to actually do something you're passionate about yes. that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see that mentality as much. Yeah, and I, I think you segued into, into you know another great point, is, and that's why I have to tell students all the time. You know, and, and I think that comes back to another part of being honest, you know, and, you know, and, and hearing that, you know, from a person who is older than them, you know, is, is saying, Hey, I don't, I tell them straight up. I'm like, I don't use algebra. I don't use geometry, you know, not in my daily life. I don't, I don't use a lot of the stuff that I learned in high school or college, but it's like, but you've got to do it to put yourself in a better position, uh, you know, later on down the road. Right. That's just a part of it. You know, I tell them, I'm like, I'm like, you see this paperwork all stacked up? I'm like, I don't want to do this, you know? Uh, but I was like, I got to because I say I love the other 90% of my job, right. you know, and that's right. working with students and that's doing these different educational things. I was like, that's just a part of it, you know? I was like, and the indirect lesson is doing something you don't want to do to put yourself in a better place tomorrow, yes. you know, and, and having and having that grit, that tenacity, that time management skills, the perseverance, all those things to do it. You know, and, and that and that lesson of doing and dealing with the stress of that and still being able to deal with the weight of that stress while still going about your daily functions in your life, in your family, in your job, at school, socially, you know, to still be successful and learning how to deal with that weight as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so those are a lot of the conversations, you know, that I do have, you know, with my freshmen and sophomores um, who they see how they they're not going to use a lot of this stuff, you know, from the start. Because they, they know what maybe they want to do or maybe they don't know what they want to do. But even when they don't know what they want to do, they know what they're not interested in. And yeah. so they can't see the value in it. And so, you know, and to use a business term, that's where value has to be created. You know, that, that value of understanding that, yeah, you probably won't, especially since you're not interested in this. You know, you're not going to be an engineer because you're not interested in math, you know. Uh, but part of the process is working your way through that to put yourself in a better place tomorrow. Right. That's just like with me in the army, you know, like I said, first hour in out of my three and a half year contract, I knew I didn't want to do it, but I also knew I didn't want to pay for any of my college, right. you know, and it's like, I got my bachelor's and master's paid for entirely, you know, straight out the gate. So it's like, and I learned a lot and I had a lot of fun and I met a lot of great people mm-hmm. and I had a solid job for three and a half years when the economy was crap. So it's like, and I got to tour the world. It's like, so what, there's a lot of good things in that, mm-hmm. a lot of good things in that. So. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I think that leads into a really good question because I've had a couple clients even recently where they're struggling with their grades mm-hmm. or they're seniors. Mm-hmm. And so they're just at this point where they're like, why even try? I mean, how do you motivate kids if you have any sort of suggestions mm-hmm. on, you know, from a psychological standpoint to continue to work mm-hmm. and make good grades or to, yeah, to basically to not unintentionally shoot themselves in the foot because they see math as being, you know, mm-hmm. unnecessary. But then if they get, you know, if that contributes to their overall GPA, then mm-hmm. they won't get into the programs they want to. Mm-hmm. And the other 
Discipline. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question, you know. And it's like one of my co counselors used to say all the time, to like if I had a pill, you know, from motivation, I'd be a billionaire. Right. You know. Right. Um, and Especially I, for high school students. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that's I think that's where part of that one of the biggest pieces is is creating that relationship because you know there's a lot of people that can that can stand in front of a classroom and dispense the information, but if you can c- create a relationship. And it's just like, it's the same way in schools as it is in business is it's like, if you can create a relationship where a person wants to work for you, then they are going to be more willing to do so, even when they're doing things that they don't want to do, you know? So it's like, that's where that relationship piece comes into. And that, that's where that relationship piece comes into getting to know them, getting to know, you know, I remember in one of my first psychology classes, you know, in college, you know, it talked about if, if you can share one thing with a person then, then you stand a much higher probability of creating a relationship with them. So, I mean, the smallest things, you know, if you, if you chew the same type of gum, you know, if, if I see a kid walking down the, down the hallway chewing juicy fruit, you know, then maybe I'll go buy a pack of juicy fruit, you know, at, at the gas station and, you know, pull it out when next time I see him walk by and ask him if they want a piece of gum, you know, knowing that they chew that juicy fruit. So then we can create a connection. We can create, you know, a talk or if, if they're wearing a Remington, you know, uh, you know, hunting, uh, t-shirt, like, Oh, what, what kind of rifle or shotgun do you have? You know, or, you know, do you hunt, you know, what do you hunt? You know, because I have some experience and background in that. So I think for me, it's all about creating those relationships, you know, especially in my job, you know, my job first and foremost. And I think it's also about, you know, showing the mountain that they've already come so far in doing and creating a plan for them. So a lot of times to circle back to your question of, you know, how do we kind of motivate them is, you know, first, create that relationship. Second, look at the things, listen to them and hear they hear them out, you know, to show them how far they've come and remind them of that and the struggles they've been to, you know, to, to help them reach that point. Uh, you know, and then I think lastly is, or the third step is really, um, you know, showing the mountain that they've climbed. So what they're seniors, you know, and it's like, dude, it's like, you've put in three and a half years of work, you know, or you've, you've taken, you know, 50 or 40, or let's say even say 20% of your classes, you know, and, and showing them that plan of, so like my recommendation, like for the field that you're in is, is contacting the school counselor, you know, uh, to where they go to school at and say, Hey, can you show me a transcript of not only what classes they have, but then what classes they still need to take to develop that plan. And I think so often, you know, our students who don't care, don't want to, or can't see the value in education, um, you need to create a plan for them. And you're like, hey, this is where you've been. This is where you're going. This is how many credits you do have. And this is, you know, what you have to do to get out of here. And this is the time frame that you can do it in. Like, for instance, I have one student that's been through hell and back. And, um, and now they're at the, you know, they, they can't see the value in that education, you know, but then when I mapped out that plan of saying, Hey, yeah, you're behind in your credits, but by this year, you know, by 2020 in May of 2020, you know, you can graduate, you can be out of here, you can be doing your own thing and you're going to be ahead or in the same pack of the, uh, 30 million Americans that are going to be graduating with a high school diploma too. And if you're not, then you're going to be that much further behind 30 million Americans that are going to be graduating, you know, you know, this year, whatever it is. I, I think that's, I think 30 million is a total American population, but however million, 
17 million, you know, seniors there are, how, I don't know what the exact number is on that. So I think it's, I think it's, you know, recognizing their struggles, creating that relationship, seeing how far they've come and then develop a plan with a distinct timeline to say, if you continue to put in the work, then you can reach this milestone and having them understand that that is a milestone and also recognizing those past milestones. And so I think when you recognize those past milestones and give them and show them that this is a big milestone for them, then seeing that this is another giant milestone, you know, that, that can be checked off and move forward with. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've said a lot of the same things in a lot of the different ways. So, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think what I took from it is is really being able to visually kind of show them and give them credit for yeah. how far they have come and yes. making it accessible because you're right, like high schoolers, at least as far as I understand in, in brain development, like they don't have as good of an ability to see the future yeah. and to like think about their future mm-hmm. self. So if we can kind of connect those dots for them. Yeah you know, that's a lot more helpful because I think a lot of people look back, at least I'll speak for myself. Mm -hmm. There are times I look back and I see so much more value I could have gotten out of my education. But at the time, I didn't have the same foresight that I do now. Mm -hmm. And so, um, or even the foresight to be able to be like, look, you know, I probably won't use math, but what can I do to make it better Mm -hmm. for myself right now? Mm -hmm. Because I do need to have at least this grade to reach my goals. Yep. Um, you know, the other thing I like to use for with clients that I'm just thinking about in general when they're making decisions in their life or, um, you know, moving forward with their goals, I'm always thinking about what parts of yourself are are really the parts that are motivating this? Like, are they your from your healthy sense of self, mm-hmm. which we kind of define in therapy as like mm-hmm. that, that part of you that's not acting out of fear. It's yeah. not acting out of trying to impress other people. It's right. not acting out of... Um, doubts, self-doubts mm-hmm. or insecurities or um, it's just acting from your true nature, your true values, mm-hmm. your true... The reasons you for be, you. Yeah, if you didn't have yeah. all that other muck or all that other trauma or all that, those other things kind of in the way, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but I'm like, or is this coming from like, you know, these other parts of you that aren't really your best self, yeah. right? And I'm like, if you're making a decision to drop out of high school from your best self, mm-hmm. you do that. Like, yeah. I support that. Yeah. But I really want to understand that because I don't, you know, for most people, that's not the case. Yeah. For most people, it's not coming from their best self. It's coming from those fears. It's coming from stuff going on at home. It's coming yes. from um, self-doubt mm-hmm. or the inability to have that foresight. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think you bring a a good, a a great point uh, to the table is that idea of being like, hey, are you doing this for you or are you doing this? And I can give, I can give, you know, are you doing this for maybe the wrong reasons? I can give two, two examples to that. I knew one senior who actually literally dropped out of high school when he turned 18, when he was like one class away from graduating high school to Mm -hmm. smite his parents (laughs) because he hated them so much. He's like, I'm going to do this just to piss him off. But yeah. the, the kid, he was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I mean, he, he was like in AP chemistry and like, they didn't, you know, it's like you have algebra two and geometry. They just labeled it advanced math yeah. is all the math class, you know, that like no specific, just advanced math. You know, like he, he's at a very high level and he knew he could do it, but he's like, I'm going to do this to smite them. And I don't care because I can go back and get the piece of paper, even though it'll cost me another semester and $175 of my own money, you know, right. while working to do it. But I'm going to do it to piss him off, right. you know, and then I have, I have another. And maybe he needed to. Yeah. Right. Which I yeah. think is, you know, our job as therapists to really yeah. understand that. And mm-hmm. instead of just seeing it as like this kid being mm-hmm. defiant and mm-hmm. like 
a pain in the butt. Like, I laugh because it's like, I would have loved to work with that client yeah. because I would have been like, yeah, you probably mm-hmm. need to do that. But then also yeah. trying to un- unpack that to where he's able to get his needs met from his best self. Right. Not not those other parts. Because I, yeah. I see that as him, like, getting those needs met. Because I do mm-hmm. think there's, I mean, there's something strong about mm-hmm. needing to send that message to your parents. Yeah. Right? And he needed that. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to take that message away. Yeah. But I want to take the, the part where it's, like, hurting him mm-hmm. to have to get his needs met or to have to outgrow that part of his life. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah. yeah. And, and that's I, so interesting. Yeah. And, and you make a great point about that. And, and, uh, and I think, and that's, that's what I love about talking to you is your perspective and, you know, putting a different spin on that because I was like, you know, when he said that at first I was kind of like, I was like, I think I, I think I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, why right. would you, why would you do that? First you know? Like, yeah. You're brilliant. Like right. even me, my, yeah. my anxiety as a therapist, mm-hmm. my first mm-hmm. response, my natural one is mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, your life, like kid, yeah. you're so smart. Yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. that's my first yeah. gut reaction typically. Yeah. But then, yeah, usually I, at this point I've slowed down a bit and I can have that yeah. second response and, now. But And I think, I think when we're having that conversation, I think, I don't know if I said like, that's ridiculous or I don't think I said anything, but I think, I think the, the expression on my face said it, I was kind of like, why would you do that? Right, you know, like, body that, like that was like, yeah, definitely. Like that was like that, that was like the message I was sending to them. And then, and then I think I asked a question on my, like, and I, I just, cause we had a pretty open and honest relationship, you know, when we we're talking and I'm like, why would you do that? You know? And he's like, he's like, I just do it just to smite my parents. And I'm like, I'm like, well, and I, you know, it's like, you do realize it's like, that's just going to cost you more time and money in the future just to do what you could do in the first place. Right. He knows that. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to do it anyway. Yeah. And, right? it, and that's the powerful mm-hmm. thing to recognize. And mm-hmm. I only say that cause like I have clients that some, sometimes part of their eating disorder, something that could kill them mm. is about sending a message or having a certain impact on their family system. Yeah. Because nothing and else has like, gotten through up to this point. Right. There's, yeah. There's so many reasons behind why they need to, but yeah. like. But yeah, he knows. He knows. Yeah. And, and I know him and his parents were at odds, big grind, you know, all the time. And, and, and that's another thing about my job is it's like, I see so many kids. And, and so it's like intelligent guy like that, you know, who knows what he's doing. I was just like, well, okay. I'm like, do what you got to do, you know, do what you feel like you got to do, yeah. you know? Cause it's like, he's going to be fine. And he, he probably will be. Yeah. I mean, even regardless of that, yeah. you know, and I heard, and yeah, he's fine. He's got his certificate and doing things. So it's like, that doesn't surprise me at least, but, and then, you know, and then there's another one of my students, you know, who, um, has trichotillomania, uh, who, you know, who great anxiety, great depression, you know, a lot of things and, and understands that they don't connect with, um, a lot of the students in the high school for a lot of reasons, very, very bright, you know, and, um, and very hardworking. And so is actually going to graduate a year early and has already been accepted to, uh, an art college, uh, out of state. Wow. Um, you know, instead of like letting those things cripple them and shut them down and kind of, uh, drown out their, their ability and their light to, uh, do so well in an academic perspective, they're like, no, I'm going to look in a different direction, you know, and I'm going to raise myself up and go and talk to the board of education and get into college early and, do all these things to push myself to a higher level. And it's just like, uh, you know, it's like that. Yeah, it is. It is. I I have so much admiration for that individual and just, you know, for not only for what they've been through and overcame, but continue to overcome and, and the progress that I've seen in them in in three short years. So it's, it's cool. It is cool. 
That's so neat. Yeah. That's awesome. Are they are they seeing anybody? Do you know? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. I just I know of somebody who, who works specifically. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like I was just gonna put in a little yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I. I mean, and and I think I think they're. Yeah, I think they're doing well with them. Yeah. 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 And and from freshman year, you know, to junior, it's like, just you know, the yeah, they've they've dealt very well with a lot of things, and I've seen a lot of growth in them. So, but I'll probably still get the name from you, you know, afterwards, just to just to pass it along, because you never know how relationships, you know, might change with people or, you know, and then like I said, I see a lot of students and. Sometimes it's, you know, we can't, we don't always get too in depth because it takes time, you know, it takes time, you know, it's, and that's one of the other things. I think one of the hardest parts about my job is recognizing that time. And, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier is that idea of like, you know, sometimes I want to get snippy, you know, and that's like that, that part of me, you know, wants to say, you know, well, if you can form a genuine understanding, caring relationship in 20 minutes, you know, when sometimes I catch criticism with the amount of time I spend with students, it's like, you should be doing my job. Right, you or know. like administration right. and being yeah. frustrated yeah. that yeah. you can't cure somebody's mental health issues no. in 20 minutes. No, you know, no. Yeah, yeah. Or, or not even, and, and, and I think maybe it's just because, you know, the, the roles have changed. It's like since 2001, it's like, you know, there's been a lot of big initiatives, you know, from colleges and, you know, the federal government to recognize that, like, mental health needs to be a major focal point, you know, for students. And so yeah. I, I think, and, and, you know, and that's where I can't, I can't be, and that's where I have to give them space and understanding, mm-hmm. you know, is, is to say, Hey, like, that's just probably not something that they're, they know of or aware of because they've been working in a different historical context for, you know, 20 years, you know, and especially if you've never been a counselor, it's like a lot of people have been a teacher, you know, and a lot of people have been, you know, and some people have been administration, but not a lot of people have been counselors. You know, it's like, there might be, you know, two to a building of 600 or four to a building of, or six to a building of 3000, you know? So it's like, those are few, very few and far between, you know, com- I think compared to a lot of the other uh, positions. So it's just a, it's a different dynamic. So, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. So we're going to go ahead and head into our final four. Okay. And so the first question of the final four is, what is the one thing you wish you knew when you first started? Mm. Um, I think, I think I knew instinctively that I wasn't going to be able to help everyone. And I learned that in a big way when I was doing my, um, practicum at a, uh, school in Wichita. And I had two females that were kind of going at each other verbally, you know, and it's like, no matter what I said or what I tried to do or implement, um, it just didn't seem like it was going anywhere. So I knew on a theoretical level, um, on a mental level that I wasn't going to be able to help everyone or fix every situation. But I had one of the female students actually get up and being like, I'm going to go talk to, you know, the vice principal, you know, and just like got up and left. And I was like, okay. You know, and it's like, (laughs) it's like, I'm a practicum student. It's like, I don't know how any of this works, you know, if this, what I did wrong. And, and it's like, and then I went down to the vice principal's office and, and those, you know, two women are sitting there having a conversation and getting things worked out. It's like, she had that connection with that person. So I think the biggest thing that was that, that hit me, you know, then on an emotional level of an emotional understanding of it's like, you're not going to be able to connect to everyone and you're not going to be able to be everyone's person. And so I think, again, it's like that part of like understanding it and then living it. So I I think that was, that was a a big hitter for me for sure, but it was a good one. 
it was a necessary one, yeah. you know, because that, that also takes the weight off my shoulders. So it's like, I think naturally anyone in the helping professions wants to help everyone, you know, yeah. but, um, but even when I see like some of my other former students going in and talking to my co-counselor, it's like, dude, and like, I feel like that pull and that want, you know, to be seen and to be noticed to say, Hey, you can still come and talk to me. It's like, dude, it's like, check your ego. That's, yeah. that's your ego talking right now. It's like, let them be them. And if they want to come and talk to you, they will, yeah. you know, cause like maybe she's providing a different level or a different type of growth that I haven't been able to see or provide. So it's like, dude, check your ego, you know? So that's, that's, uh, that, w- that was a good one for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a good lesson as a therapist, but also as a human. Cause I think that, mm. you know, in our lives, even personally, we can, want to be everything to everyone. Yeah. We're in the helping profession. especially, And to recognize that, you know, that's usually coming from a, from a not so great part of ourselves, right. right? Or an anxiety in ourselves. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's so great to learn that through experience, but I, I was in that boat too, where, you know, when I first was in my practicum, you know, I remember having that pointed out to me, like, Jenny, you're not going to fix everybody and it's okay. Yeah. you're right. There's some relief to that. Yeah, definitely. Or else, man, to be able to, you know, we talked about, you know, relationships and taking that home and being married to your job. It's like, not only are you married to your job for that length of time, but then you, you come home to the person you are in a relationship with, or you are married to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you're bringing work home with you too, and talking about work. So it's like, yeah, it's like, we're, we're married to our jobs and our profession more than we are to anything else. I think that was a great point that you brought up earlier. So so what's a good psychology related book for people in the field or outside of the field of school counseling? Well, either one. I mean, whether it's just a general psychology, sure. but just something related to psychology. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the biggest books that have impacted my life is, um, the author, the author is Eckhart Tolle. If, if you've ever heard of any of his work, mm-hmm. it's not the power of now. Oh, it has, it's an orange cover. Oh, I can't think of it. I'm going to Google it. Google I'm going yeah. to Google it in real time because oh, cool. it's, uh, that was, and it, it's just all about the ego and understanding the ego. And, um, and that's just been like, that hit me on such a, such a deep level. Um, it just helped me so much in my own <laughs> life. Uh, oh, it's a new earth. Yeah. A new earth. Oh my gosh. When I read that and it was, it was talking about, you know, the ego and the reasons why we do things. And it's just like, like that blew me away. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorites for sure. That's awesome. New earth by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. What about a quote or any words that have just kind of been floating around in your brain or something that you tell other people. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a favorite one or one that you use often? Man, I have so many, (laughs) but, but now that you ask, like I I probably can't think of a one like right off the top. Maybe we'll come back to that question. Okay. Or maybe I'll even like text it to you. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard. I, it doesn't have to be like a perfect one, but I just, you know, there are little phrases or isms that I'll say that I usually have stolen from other people. But, yeah. What's um, one of yours? Um, you know, we'll never arrive mm. and that's okay, especially mm-hmm. with my perfectionist mm-hmm. or, um, usually the best way to do something is to do it slowly mm-hmm. or gosh, that's not even the correct way of saying that quote, but, um, and you saying that made me remember one of the ones that I, that I say, but go ahead. Yeah. And 
just um, eyes on your own plate because mm-hmm. I work with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these have come from several different sources, but there's just little isms and things that I remember, um, you know, just to be hopefully helpful for people or the fact that, you know, we make 39 mistakes in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's other ones that I that are more about honesty and being real, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that authenticity is huge. Mm-hmm. And, um, the most compassionate people have the best boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's something from mm-hmm. Renee Brown. I, I quote her a lot too. I mm-hmm. think in, you know, back in grad school, people kind of used to, um, like endearingly teach sure. me about that. Oh, I'd yeah. always be like, well, Renee Brown said, yeah. you know, like I yeah. have so many different mm-hmm. quotes from her about yeah. what trustworthiness is mm-hmm. and, you know, the purpose of anger and, yeah. Um, actually, that would be Harriet Lerner. But yeah, anyway, mm. I could go yeah. all day into different little quotes and things that I, I reference in my work. Yeah, I think so. Like one of the things my stepmom always says is it's like we can only drive our own car, you know, so it's like when we're out in traffic and we get pissed off at people. It's like at the end of the day, you know, it's like and our own car is our own person. And she makes that <laughs> reference, you know, is it's like we can't control others. You know, it's like we have to we have to learn how to control ourselves. And kind of on a quote that you said earlier, um, there's a quote that says, and I'm not sure who it's from or, or where it's from, but it's it's better to travel well than to arrive. Ooh, I like that. You know, so it's like if 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 we have an idea or a goal in mind and we're trying to get somewhere, but we're leaving this wake of destruction, you know, in our path, it's like how good was it? Even if we even if we reach that goal, but if we stomped and crushed and manipulated people, you know, to get to where we want to be, you know, what have we really done? You know, and I think it's, so I think it's that first part, but I think it's also the part of like that, that self peace, that self care, you know, of, of wanting to do things well, to do things right. And I think even in our own profession, but it's like, if, if we're filled with a lot of, as you'd pointed out earlier, you know, those, those feelings and those different emotions and, and that cycle of doing things the wrong way to satisfy maybe, maybe our ego, um, then, you know, and, and we've done things maybe wrong in the path of that, or we destroyed ourselves in the process, you know, how much maybe we've arrived for someone else, but have we destroyed ourselves in the process? Right. So to travel well, uh, rather than to arrive better to travel well than to arrive, uh, you know, cause it's like, and going back to what you, and, and that spark that, or that jog, that quote is, you know, we never really arrive, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I think that's probably one. Yeah, I mean, it's the most frustrating and awesome, empowering thing yeah. at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a release, you know. Um, it's, I, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's like floating on that, that river with only a paddle, but knowing that we're not always sure or aware of where that stream is going to take us or direct us. Mm-hmm. But we can make minor adjustments, but knowing that, man, we're just, we're just in that boat for the time being. We're just all floating on the same river. (laughs) Yes, we are. Absolutely. And how important, like, you you know, the quote you were saying, just that process matters. How Mm -hmm. we do things matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Yeah, that's so good. And then last, what is a question I didn't ask you Mm -hmm. that you feel would be important to ask? Mm, A question that I feel like that... uh, um, so like, what did I miss essentially? Cause obviously, you know, as you have oh, somebody interview you, you yeah. know, we can, we can have our great ideas sure, about what's sure. important to ask, but maybe yeah. you had an idea about something I missed. Um, I, I wouldn't say anything that, that you miss, but you know, one of the kind of, and this might kind of further align with like what I talk about with the students is it's like, 
you know, continue to question, continue to be curious. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, with, with the systems that we have in place, you know, and, and everything that we're doing, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be the way that it is simply because it hasn't been that way any other point in history or any other time. And so it's like, we have to continue to question. We have to continue to ask. And I think that's, I think curiosity is lost as we get older. Imagination is get is lost or we get older, but you know, any, any CEO, any, any person who, you know, product manufacturer, anyone in any field regarding that or education or counseling, it's like, we, we have to stay curious and we have to keep our imagination, you know, in, in order to, I think those help to solve processes, you know, and help to solve bigger problems and, and breaking down those barriers and those structures and saying, why can't it be like this? You know, why can't we have this? And, and having those, those bigger dreams. So, I mean, to keep the curiosity, to keep the imagination and, I think to continue to dream bigger and, and allow ourselves to, uh, to do that and give permission to do that. Um, who knows where that might lead, you know, as long as it's, you know, for the betterment of, of, of everyone. So ourselves included. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I forget that people aren't always as naturally curious Mm. as I kind of am. Mm -hmm. Like I was, the kid that was probably, well, I was the kid that bothered my mom with a million <laughs> questions. Yeah. And I still am that kid. I mean, yeah. I'm just doing it with adults. Sure. Um, sure. But, like, you're so right. I mean, how much curiosity has opened doors. And mm-hmm. I think when I'm acting from a not good place in myself, I do cut off that curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. And I come more into myself and become mm-hmm. more self absorbed mm-hmm. and um, fearful in different ways. But how important that concept is for yeah. us to grow as, as humans and mm-hmm. as a society. And if, and if I had to take a guess, I think curiosity is one of the things that brings people into the helping profession, you know, not only to learn about ourselves, but it's like, we have an opportunity to see hundreds, you know, if not thousands over our lifetime, different worlds, you know, it's like when we take the time to sit with someone, we're viewing into a different world and that curiosity and wanting to understand, I think is, uh, it's paramount you know, to have, if you really want to, cause I think curiosity leads one is wanting to lead to understanding. And if we are truly curious and we truly want to understand, and if we truly want to understand then we're truly going to form that relationship with a person, you know, and, and, you know, and dig deep into that and work on that type of stuff. So I think if we hold on to that curiosity, you know, and that imagination, those two combined, I think are very powerful forces. They are. So. Absolutely. And I would, I would say that's true too, because um, well, okay, this is completely anecdotal, but like for me, I've been, I'm very fascinated by serial killers mm-hmm. and so is one of my colleagues mm-hmm. and I've just seen in our profession, like we could have this like big heart for helping people, sure. but we're also just weirdly curious about what makes people tick. And like, yeah. I also had a weird before even, I didn't even like therapy when I was a kid. I thought yeah. it was a joke. Yeah. Um, but I was fascinated by the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn everything I could about it mm-hmm. and asked all these questions about, you know. And I think I was I was fascinated because I couldn't understand mm-hmm. how it happened. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. wanted to. Yeah. And Me so, too. Me too. It's funny you mentioned yeah. that because I remember that too. It was like, it's like, how could a whole nation of people allow this to transpire? Right. You know. And just. Yeah, trying to wrap my little mm-hmm. kid brain around that. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen that a lot with therapists and other people in this field, and, and probably scientists and other people in that regard. I mm-hmm. just see that natural curiosity. 
Yeah. Uh, in, you know, you, we were talking about quotes, and now, you, you know, in conversation, you got my, my mind jogging. So, you know how, you know, I think the common, uh, you know, therapist saying is it's like, you know, there's, there's, when it comes to people, if people were a washing machine, you know, there's no such thing as a setting on normal, you know, or something. I'm probably screwing that up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, like people aren't a washing machine, there's no setting on, on normal, mm-hmm. you know, there's, since there's no real definition of normal. And, and so it's like, if I had to imagine a washing machine, and, you know, the culture of humanity, uh, the, the, I guess if we're going to say, you know, well-adjusted, healthy, you know, all of those things, I would set it on a little funny. A little funny. A little funny. And, and if I had to, pe- you know, say maybe, you know, for people who are struggling with different, you know, uh, mental illnesses, I would set it on just a little more funny, you know. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think I, I say that or think that, you know, to... Um, to destigmatize uh, mental health, you know, um, you know, and 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 I and I also do, I don't mean to say that to to lessen um, or or to take away you know those those real things that people are struggling with you know depression anxiety schizophrenia um, you know the list goes on you know through throughout the DSM um, but but to but to bring us closer to that idea it's like we're we're really not you know people think so many people think that normal people, quote unquote, really have it together, mm-hmm. you know, on the outside, but it's like, we're all just a little funny and, yeah. and people who are struggling with self just a little more, you know, is to bring us closer in relation to those ideas is it's like, let's not, let's not put ourselves up on a pedestal, you know, right. just because we, we may not be struggling or, 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 you know, able to see other people's struggles, right. you know? Well, and you know, with those little quotes, everything makes sense in context. Oh yeah. And so we, it's, you know, the people that might be a little more funny than us in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we never understand fully what their context is. Absolutely. So I know. I mean, there's so many times that, you know, when I'm able to put myself in my client's shoes, I can see that, wow, context matters. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubts that, you know, any other intelligent, capable, wonderful human being. Yeah would be in a similar situation. Yeah. They might use a different strategy. Sure. But they'd still there'd still be that like energy to work through. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and a lot of people I don't think they realize that if it's not a mental health thing, sometimes it can come out as a physical health thing mm-hmm. or it could come out in other ways that we glorify in our society where yeah. people struggle with workaholism but they never connect or have intimacy with humans. Right. Right? And right. you know people wouldn't say, "Oh, that's a mental health condition." Um but, yeah, I don't know that I've met such a fearsome creature as the normal person. Right. Um, we all have our things. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you make a great point about that. And, what's and again, kind of going back to that idea of, like, seeing it and living it and theoretical things, um, it's like the longer I'm, I'm in this, you know, and I think about a, a, a student, you know, who has a lot, a lot of social anxiety. I mean, you know, I mean, just almost can't get up and give a speech, you know, without crying or shutting down, you know, and, and then running to their desk or running outside of the classroom. And, you know, and you know, I'm back in school right now too. And, um, and the more I read about the different things and, and see them and understand them, you know, um, you know, and, and the hearing about this person's past and, and hearing about how, you know, uh, mom and dad and friends, you know, always be putting this individual down. It's like, no wonder why they don't have any confidence. And it seems like the longer I'm in, you know, this business, um, and, and understanding the concepts and the, and the ideas and, and how, 
you know, they're reacting to, to, uh, to certain stimulus, uh, every day and comparing that to their past interactions. It's almost as it's to me, it, it's as clear as having a cut on your leg, you know, or a cut on your arm and, and, and bandaging that and being okay with that and moving on in life, you know, compared to, you know, working on working through that past and then seeing how it's affecting their future. You know, you get a cut in your leg on the past, you know, and it gets infected and there's bacteria there and it's going to affect your future. You know, you, um, you have a, an issue that happened before in the past repeatedly, you know, that's affected you in a big way. And you're then you're seeing the symptom of that, of that in the future. I mean, seeing how those are just so clearly connected is becoming more and more crystal clear as time goes on. It's just like, pow, you know, and you're talking about, you know, when you're younger and a kid, you know, and thinking, ah, mental health is just kind of, you know, frou-frou, whatever, you know, and that, I know that wasn't your words. I know that wasn't a direct quote, but it's kind of like, eh, it's kind of, maybe that's not real science there. Right. But it's like, as time goes on and, and, and me educating myself more and, and, and seeing those instances, it's like, pfft, it's as clear as night and day, it is so you clear. know? Yeah. Once you have the lens to see it. Yeah. And I, I really, 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 really wish. And you know, it's thinking about big ideas, you know, it's like, I really wish more of our entire culture would be able to see that, you know, and having that idea, having that dream and then being like, how can we enact that in schools? Yeah. How can we help the mm-hmm. little people? Because mm-hmm. we know actually we can make such a bigger change when they're really little Yep. and then throughout their development, mm-hmm. like throughout high school, but, mm-hmm. um, the research shows, especially when they're really little and the mm-hmm. fact that, um, a lot of people don't understand that mm-hmm. is, is horrible because, um, we're not seeing the right programs being, you know, <laughs> funded. We're not seeing the um, money being put towards that to actually create better economic growth for our country on right. the other side. Like, yeah. we know that, you know, every dollar we put towards helping with childhood trauma is going to give us seven more dollars in the future. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you looked at an economist or any other person, they'd be like, of course. We this is a no-brainer. This, right? But, you know, when we, when you, when you look at your politicians, mm-hmm. they don't get that. Yeah. And so they just see it as a waste of resources. Right. And they don't understand it. And obviously, I mean, there's a lot of problems with that. But, you know, my point being, early childhood trauma matters. Yeah. And Absolutely. We're that more and more. Um, yeah. And although kids can't verbalize it at that age, you know, the body keeps a score, kind of like I was telling you. Mm-hmm. It, that's his expression, the body keeps a score. Yeah, that's a fantastic um, expression. And it impacts school. You know, performance and yeah. work and uh-huh. everything else and uh-huh. yeah. And I, I don't know, we could talk about this for a million hours. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Our school nurse used to have a quote that relates to that, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but something to the effect it's like it's easier to to help kids or fix kids than it is to fix broken men. And I, I I'm going to have to look that up, but it's something along those lines of you know the point is it's like hey it's easier to help help kids right now than it is to fix broken adults later on when they oh. have all that baggage and all of those walls up and all those other things. So hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I work with a lot of adults too, where I know that if I would have gotten them as teenagers, they would have had a completely different life trajectory mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still love working with them as adults, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting to be like, Oh, they come to me when they're yeah. in that worst case scenario as yeah. an adult versus getting the help they need earlier. Yep. And you hear that, you know, professional sports athletes, actors, you know, anyone who has any sort of spotlight on them. They said, I had that one person in my life. I had that counselor. I had that teacher. I had that parent. I had that, you know, friend, whatever that, that altered that trajectory. For sure. Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Yeah. 
yeah. a conversation with me. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it wasn't as much of an interview as a conversation, but yeah. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time out to to talk, and that means a lot to me, you know, because as I've said to you before, you know, I I greatly admire you, and I greatly admire you know your your work that you do, not only from an academic perspective, you know, but being in uh, you know CrossFit together and seeing your level of athleticism and co- you know competitiveness, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you, you you blow me away in a lot of aspects, and so you know to to have you say, hey, I want to take time with you. Uh, you know, that's that I just felt like that was really exciting and really cool for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it.